This week on Blue 58, the Packers have just made four roster moves and could be ready to make more, at least if you believe the internet hype machine. We'll break down each move and predict whether a big-name pass rusher will be making his way to Green Bay through a trade. Then, let's explore our first roster prediction of the 2018 season. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. I am very excited to be with you here today. It is a very, very special day for Blue 58, for me personally, because we are recording for the first time from the brand new, to me at least, basement studio of my brand new house. Insert the clapping hands sound effect right here, because we are finally here. We've made it. I have the most thrown-together recording setup you possibly could, because we are still neck-deep in boxes all throughout the house. But we are here. We finally made it, and things should be getting better from here on out. What does that mean for you? Well, for one thing, the audio quality of this podcast should be getting a lot better, in part because we're going to be able to do a little bit more work with uh, creating an actual studio instead of recording in my in-law's spared bedroom. But also, we seem to have tracked down the source of the audio issue we've been having for the last few weeks. And thank you for soldiering through that with us. I know it's been a little bit difficult, and a few people have been turned off the podcast because of that that's okay. I totally understand that. I wouldn't want to listen to a podcast with bad audio quality either. The skipping issue should be sorted out. We believe that it's been caused uh, by just a a cruddy computer situation. That should be fixed now because I've got my baby out of storage. Uh, We've got the good setup going here, as good as it can be, and it's just going to be getting better from here on out. So I'm very excited to be here And it just keeps getting better Packers-wise because there's just more and more stuff to talk about. Lots to talk about this week, starting with four roster moves for the Packers. Last week on the show, I talked about how the real exciting situation... Well, not exciting. Exciting is a terrible word for it. The real interesting situation, uh, as far as Jake Ryan goes, was really the corresponding roster move. Because late afternoon before we recorded last week, we found out that Jake Ryan's knee injury leg injury, whatever they were calling it at the time, was indeed a torn ACL, as we suspected, and he was going to be missing the season. The Packers didn't immediately make a corresponding roster move, so I said last week that was really the story as we waited for the shoe to drop on his real official confirmation on the knee injury. Well, we have gotten those corresponding roster moves. Yes, moves, not just one. We've got four moves altogether. First and foremost, the Packers put Jake Ryan on injured reserve. This is not a real big surprise. We knew this was coming. This is what happens when you tear an ACL in the preseason. He tore an ACL in the preseason. Here we are. He's on injured reserve. No big surprise there. The next move, though, was a little bit surprising. C.J. Johnson, the very, very small school, outside linebacker, moves to injured reserve. Uh, A bit of a surprise just because we hadn't heard a lot about him in the preseason so far. Seemed like a promising athletic prospect, if extremely raw, because of the level of football he was coming from. So maybe this ends up being sort of a training camp, redshirt sort of situation. These things happen from time to time, as much as every NFL team would tell you they don't. Sometimes guys do get stashed on injured reserve. I know the company line is that it doesn't happen, but it does. Guys just end up with injuries this time of year that require them to miss the season, even if they're not really season-ending injuries. We'll know if the Packers consider this sort of a redshirt sort of situation if they do an injury settlement here in the relatively near future. I haven't seen that yet. Maybe it happened, 
But if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in the near future here. So keep your eyes peeled for that. If not, keep an eye out for C.J. Johnson in training camp next year. The next move was a little bit of a surprise. The Packers deciding to part ways with offensive lineman Evan Cooper. Very, very, the euphemistic phrase you use for guys like Evan Cooper is stout or girthy or thick, as they said in his scouting report. Big fella. He's a pretty big boy. Uh, about six foot two, six foot three, going in the 330 range. Uh, he is the roundest offensive lineman I have seen in quite some time. I thought they would be a little bit more interested in him. Uh, well, they were interested enough in him enough to bring him in on waivers. I thought he would stick around a little bit longer than this. But to me, this is an encouraging sign uh, because this is something I think that Ted Thompson was not super great at doing. It costs almost nothing to bring guys in and take a look at them for a couple weeks. You're taking up your 89th, 90th roster man spot at this point with a guy like Evan Cooper. You might as well bring him in and give him a shot. You should be churning that bottom into your roster anyway. That's what Gutekunst is doing here. He's just getting a look at guys. Which brings us to the fourth roster move from this week, the Packers signing running back Akeem Judd. This, again, seems like another situation where you're just trying to get a look at the guy. Judd has been in and out of training camps. You just look at his Wikipedia page, and it's one of those guys. Like I talked about Shaky Smithson a couple years ago, or a couple weeks ago. He's one of those guys who just ends up on a roster a whole bunch of times, but never really ends up contributing anything significant. Uh, he's been with the Tennessee Titans, the New York Jets, and now the Packers in his very, very short NFL career so far, and really hasn't done anything of note uh, in his brief NFL career. Uh, he was promoted to the active roster for the Jets just briefly last week on December or last year on December 12th, then was placed on injured reserve, injured reserve on December 30th. So not even quite three weeks on an active roster there. Uh, but Judd, another guy the Packers just want to take a look at here, seems like a sort of camp body type. Remember back in the 2012 season when the Packers had all kinds of injuries at running back. They brought in a guy named Mark Tyler as an undrafted free agent. He ended up taking something like 50 carries during preseason games just because they had no one else to carry the ball. It was very clear early on that he couldn't play, but the Packers wanted to get a look at him anyway. They gave him some playing time. Turned out they were right. He couldn't play. He ended up getting cut. I'm not saying that Judd can't play because he's been good enough for three NFL teams now to take a look at him, but if you just look at the raw numbers, he doesn't seem really like a guy who is going to contend. Let's put it that way. Uh, 40-yard dash even at his pro day was just a middling 4-5-4. His short throttle time was not great. His three-cone time was not great either. Not an explosive athlete, not a particularly big. You just struggle to see really what the defining characteristic of a guy like this is. And I've always argued that if you are a undrafted free agent type, you need to do one thing at least really, really well. Judd doesn't seem like he has something like that that sticks out. 5'11", 225, so uh, on the thicker side as far as running back goes, but not not really outstanding. So don't look for super big things from him. But anyway, those are the four big roster moves from the Packers this week. I'm encouraged at seeing a, a larger number of roster moves from the Packers, even as we are into training camp now a ways. And as we approach these preseason games, you want to make sure you're at that 90-man roster limit just so you can use guys to take up those snaps that you need to have during a game. So, next thing. It's been floating around on the NFL internet this week 
that the Oakland Raiders are at least, I want to say this carefully because this is as much hearsay as anything, at least theoretically interested in trading their all-pro outside linebacker, edge rusher type guy, Khalil Mack. Let me say right off the bat, there's like a 95 or higher percent chance that this is not going to happen. But the fact that it can at least be talked about non-jokingly means we should probably at least spend a little bit of time on this for a couple of reasons. First, as I always have said, this is a great example of a GM heat check situation. The GM heat check concept is the idea that if you are a good general manager, you should be calling people you consider bad general managers or even general managers not as good as you to see what maybe they might be interested in. Just feel them out. What's the worst that they, that could happen? The worst that could happen is they say no. So you call up Reggie McKenzie in Oakland and say, hey, what are you thinking for Khalil Mack? I've got a second round pick burning, my, burning a hole in my pocket. What do you think? The worst he says is no. The best he says is, well, maybe not a second round pick, but could you talk me in, or could I take that extra Saints first rounder off your hands? Then you're in business. You can start making a deal. Who knows? It's just like garage sale shopping. You offer them something, maybe they say yes, and you get a real bargain on something. You never really know. Secondly, as I sort of alluded to, it may not take as much as you'd think to get Khalil Mack away from the Oakland Raiders. Looking at relatively recent historical precedent, there are some good examples of some trades that we can look at as examples of edge rusher types getting moved around. In 2006, uh, John Abraham of the New York Jets was traded to the Atlanta Falcons for a first-round pick, uh, which they had acquired from the Denver Broncos, so very similar to the Packers situation. In 2008, the Kansas City Chiefs traded Jared Allen to the Minnesota Vikings for a first-round pick, two two third-round picks, and the right to swap sixth-round picks with the, the Chiefs. In 2016, Chandler Jones was traded by the New England Patriots for a second-round pick and guard Jonathan Cooper. And then this spring, the Buccaneers traded Jason Pierre-Paul to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a third-round pick in the 2018 draft. And as, as in addition to that, they also got a trade or a swap of fourth-round picks. I bring these up uh, just because they're general archetypes of edge rusher guys going from one team to another. We should also throw into here uh, this past spring's trade involving the Packers and the Saints uh, that netted essentially the Saints' Marcus Davenport. The Saints in that trade, as you'll remember, gave up their first-round pick this year for the Packers' first-round pick, so a swap of first-round picks, a fifth-rounder in this past year's draft, and then their first-round pick in 2019, so next year. Essentially, discounting the swap of picks, um, essentially just a first- and a fifth-round pick for Marcus Davenport. It's a lot in hindsight. Even at the time, it seemed like a lot. But why do we mention all these? What do they have in common? Well, first and foremost, we do have to point out that most of these guys are not strictly in the same vein as Khalil Mack. Uh, Not from a type of player, maybe not even as much of a a quality perspective either. Uh, John Abraham, relatively close, still more of a defensive end. Chandler Jones, Again, relatively similar, still more of a defensive end. Jason Pierre-Paul, definitely a defensive end. 
Marcus Davenport might be the closest comp in terms of actual position comparison. Jared Allen, certainly not a one-for-one comparison. But I want to bring up the Allen trade because I think it's the best example of the kind of compensation it might take to get a guy like Khalil Mack. Allen was a multiple-time Pro Bowler and one-time All-Pro when he was traded from the Chiefs to the Vikings, much like Khalil Mack is right now. Jared Allen was in need of a new contract, which the Vikings then gave him, as Khalil Mack is now. And, most importantly, it didn't take a total war chest of picks to get Allen from the Chiefs to the Packers. So I've seen a lot of people throw around the idea that the Packers should give up both first-round picks in an attempt to get Mack. I don't think they need to pay that much. I don't think historical precedent says even a very good player like Mack is worth that much. For Allen to go from the Chiefs to the Vikings for essentially a first, a third, and a third, we'll discount that last one because they were just swapping picks and sixth round picks really don't matter anyway. I think is close to highway robbery, but I think it is also a pretty realistic trade for what both sides were getting and giving up. Uh, Allen had his share of off-field issues and just general football concerns before he ended up in Minnesota, and the Vikings got 85 and a half sacks out of him over the course of six seasons. Mack hasn't had even the relatively bland off-field issues that Allen had, but he does need a new contract, which is bound to be expensive. But I think if you told me today that the Packers could get Khalil Mack for a first and two third round picks, I think I would be inclined to take that deal. The bottom line is that for Khalil Mack to come to Green Bay or anywhere, you're probably going to have to start with the first round pick and then give up a little bit more. I think that's realistic. Just from a compensation standpoint, I don't know if the other factors like him needing a new contract make this likely or not. Uh, Obviously, the Raiders would have to agree to this, and I'm not sure that they are super eager to see him go out the door. We will see. Um, but I think it is interesting and it is worth talking about. And I think these are, this is an example of the sort of thing that might get laughed off in some other contexts. I don't think you see a lot of newspaper articles about hypothetical trades just because, well, trades are the way that they are. But I think it's worth talking about in that you can talk about it in a relatively serious way, a relatively, um, methodical way. And, and have your arguments make sense. So this is the way that I always want to do things if we're going to do conversations like this. All right. It is training camp, which means it is time, as everyone does this time of year, to do our annual roster predictions. I don't have any special caveats for this. I don't have anything special that I like to do for roster predictions. But I would like to go position by position through the Packers roster as I see it and see what we come up with as far as a final roster for the Packers this year. A couple caveats for that, now that I think about it a little bit, there are a couple positions that are really hard to predict just because of the nature of of things in that we haven't really seen them play actual football yet. Offensive line and cornerback and defensive line, all very, very difficult to a lesser extent safety. Just because the amount of bodies involved at all of these positions it gets really hard to talk in any really super sensible way about them. It's hard to, to 
see things shaping up just from a roster perspective about who is going to do what as far as sticking on the roster. So that having been said, let's take a look through the Packers roster before preseason game number one. Starting with quarterback. Don't think this one is super difficult. I predicted before the season that I thought the Packers would keep three quarterbacks. I'm sticking with that now, and I'm sticking with the same group of quarterbacks for now. I think it's Aaron Rodgers, I think it's Deshaun Kaiser, and I think it's Brett Hundley in that order. Kaiser, to me, is ahead of Hundley on the Packers' wish list, doesn't seem like quite the right word, order of preference, because just largely because of his contract situation. The Packers have control over him for much longer. They don't have to make decisions about him for a couple more years unless he's really, really bad in the preseason. And I think, you know, even though I predict that Brett Hundley will be on the roster, I think the Packers very much have him in the clearance rack. Uh, To go back to the the garage sale analogy, he's on the make-offer table. The Packers would probably take just about anything that they could get for him right now. I don't think the Packers want to carry three quarterbacks into the regular season, but if they had to, I think they would probably stick with these three guys. And playing around with the roster, there are some ways that it's relatively easy to get a third quarterback to your roster if you want. It wasn't terribly difficult for me, you know, non-general manager podcast guy, to do this, for whatever that's worth, but... Um, you you can work through some situations where this is possible, keeping nine offensive linemen maybe instead of ten, keeping a few fewer defensive linemen than maybe more. I've got the Packers with five right now looking ahead. If you want, you can get to three quarterbacks. Where does this leave Tim Boyle, though? Uh, I think Tim Boyle is headed for the practice squad for the Packers, although this puts them in the interesting situation of trying to avoid another Taysom Hill sort of predicament. Uh, I don't think... Boyle is the player that Hill was or is. He is certainly not the athlete that Taysom Hill was, but he does have a big arm. He is relatively athletic. He fits well within the Packers' guidelines for the position, and it never hurts to have another guy with a big arm around. If he can learn a few other nuances of the position, suddenly you're in business. I don't know. I think the Packers would like to get him to the practice squad. I think it's ideal to have another quarterback on the practice squad if you can. And if we're going to have a quarterback on the practice squad, I would be much more excited about a guy like Boyle being on the squad than Joe Callahan and his not entirely wet, maybe damp noodle arm. Moving right along, running backs and fullbacks. Again, this is a pretty easy situation right now for the Packers and uh, for predictors. Uh, because of the Aaron Jones situation. And Aaron Jones, in general, does give the Packers a bit more flexibility in terms of what they do with their roster. Uh, Jamal Williams is your starter. You have Ty Montgomery as your top backup. And I think Devontae Mays makes the roster, at least for the time being, at running back. I think the Packers just keep one fullback. I hope they just keep one fullback. And I believe it's going to be Aaron Ripkowski. Joe Carriage may be pushing him a little bit. I still think the Packers tend towards familiarity, all things being equal. So I think Ripkowski gets the job. Not a whole lot to talk about at running back. Let's move on to wide receiver where things are getting interesting. Top three, I don't think are super difficult to sort out. Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, and Geronimo Allison. Not a big surprise there. I don't think anybody should be surprised by that. But right now, I have all three of the Packers draft picks making the roster. Uh, Jamon Moore, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Equinemius St. Brown, I think, all make it. 
I think uh, St. Brown and Valdez Scantling have come on enough in the past couple of practices that it's going to be increasingly difficult to get them to the practice squad. That, of course, leaves Trevor Davis on the outside looking in, which is, I think, a bigger blow than maybe people realize because of his special teams contributions. And I'm not just talking about punt and kick returns. He's also a very excellent gunner. But if Valdis Scantling in particular can contribute at all in that respect, I think it's goodbye Trevor Davis because I think all three of these guys are better right now at receiver than Trevor Davis is. And that sounded like bold statement in my head, but you know, once I said it out loud, it really doesn't sound like that big of a deal. Trevor Davis, I don't think is anybody's particularly favorite wide receiver. So all three draft picks are in for me at receiver. Trevor Davis is out. Uh, D'Angelo Yancey is out, even though I have been on record as being a relatively big fan of his until recently. And uh, the rest falls as it will. I think it's not going to be seven receivers for the Packers this year. Six is a pretty good number in my estimation. Tight end. I've just got three. As much as uh, the other four youngish guys, Emmanuel Bird included, uh, I would like to keep one of them, but I don't think the Packers need one. I think they can get what they get from those guys elsewhere. Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, and Lance Kendricks. I think that's your depth chart in order. I saw someone talking online today about how it looked like Lewis was catching Kendricks, and I couldn't tell if they were joking or not. I thought from the moment the Packers signed Mercedes Lewis that it was pretty clear they were bringing him in to be the number two tight end behind Jimmy Graham. Maybe that was just me. I don't know. I thought that was pretty clear. Uh, I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about at tight end here. Packers have three pretty, mm, I don't want to say pretty good ones because I'm not super high on Lance Kendricks. Uh, Pretty known quantities. I think we can settle on that. Uh, They at least know what Lance Kendricks is, and right now he's probably a better player than any of those other young guys on the roster. Offensive line. This is where things get get a little bit interesting because of our friend Brian Bulaga. He completes the starting lineup essentially from last year. The Packers probably preferred starting lineup towards the end of the season. Would have been David Bakhtiari, Lane Taylor, Clory Lindsley, Justin McRae, and Brian Bulaga. You sub in McRae uh, for Jari Evans, Jari Evans, uh, however you say his name. Still never got that nailed down. Uh, I hope he's enjoying his retirement, quasi-retirement somewhere. Uh, Bulaga coming back switches things around on the offensive line because you have to start taking into consideration what amounts of particular positions you're keeping. If the Packers keep Bulaga, that puts them in the position of perhaps having three guys who are primarily tackles behind him in Byron Bell, Kyle Kyle Murphy, and Jason Spriggs. I think the Packers are keeping Murphy and Spriggs for sure just because of what they've done in the the relatively recent past and Spriggs being a second-round pick blah, 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 you know, the whole spiel there. But also, Bell probably gets in just because of the nature of his contract. He got a pretty big signing bonus. So that leaves you probably with one more roster spot to fill with offensive linemen. And I settled on Dylan Day there, just because the Packers probably need another backup center. Uh, Murphy and Bell can both play guard, so you're probably good there. Even Spriggs can step in and at least stand there. Um... And that's about all because he kind of turns into a turnstile, especially at guard, even more so than tackle in in recent years. Uh, Day is really the only other center option the Packers have on the roster, Day and Austin Davis. I flipped a coin and ended up with Dylan Day. Next week it could be something different. I do think one of those guys is going to make the roster because I don't think the Packers want to go into the season 
without another player with at least some center experience on the roster. Switching over to defense, moving right along here. Five defensive linemen for the Packers so far. Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, Muhammad Wilkerson are your starters. The top guys off the bench, I have Dean Lowry and Montrevious Adams. This is a bit of a departure for me. Uh, I've been on record as saying I like Tyler Lancaster a lot. That is still true. I just think the the roster numbers are shaping up a little bit differently right now. I don't see any reason the Packers would be super eager to keep those guys, but we'll see. Um, Either Lancaster or James Looney. We will see once we start getting into actual games. Uh, There's not a lot to say about the defensive line right now, in part because it's so deep. We know so much about the guys towards the top of the depth chart, and once you start getting past that fifth spot, what are you talking about? Uh, one, two snaps a game, maybe five if you're really generous. So I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time talking about that group of players. Outside linebacker, again, not a big change here. We don't have a lot of guys who are really coming on and making a name for themselves other than people we already knew. Starters, Clay Matthews and Nick Perry. Duh, we know that for sure. Barring injury, it's going to be those two guys. Behind them, Vince Beagle, Reggie Gilbert, Kyler Fackrell, and Chris Odom. Um, I probably should have Odom ahead of Fackrell because that would be my order of preference right now. I still believe Fackrell is going to end up making the roster just because of a lack of other options. Who else do you put out there? I know Fackrell brings very little to the table, though I still don't think he's quite as bad as people think he is. But I I just don't know what his upside is. He seems to be the player he's already going to be. I mean, the Packers, or the Packers beat writers, rather, tried to do the It's the Summer of Fackrell story last week. And they did the, the, you can put this on your preseason bingo card, player X gained or lost weight and now feels much better. Well, they tried to do that with Kyler Fackrell, talking about how he tried to put on weight this offseason, except all he gained was five pounds. That's all that he could put on drinking multiple or taking in multiple thousands of extra calories a day. He could only get five extra pounds. If only we all could have that problem. Um, Bummer for him, I guess. You can only gain five pounds when you're eating tons and tons of extra food. So all that to say, I don't think Fackrell is out, but I don't have a lot of confidence putting him in. I know full well that I predicted he would be in, but I wish things were different. Inside linebacker, I've got three for right now. The fourth one was my last cut, getting down to 53 here. Blake Martinez, Oren Burks, and Ahmad Thomas are the three for me right now. The fourth guy was Greer Martini. Uh, You hear a lot about what he's doing on special teams, which is the quickest way to get on the roster as an undrafted guy. And the Packers certainly have needed inside linebacker, such as that position is in the modern NFL. Might as well have been him, but I think Ahmad Thomas is just a little bit ahead of him because of his sort of hybrid background. Not a super great athlete, though. Um, I went back and looked at some of his numbers. He is not quite as good of an athlete as I thought he was. Only ran in the 4-7 range as a, as a essentially a converted safety not even essentially it was a converted safety I expected him to run a little bit better than that you know game speed versus time speed sure but 4-7 is not great moving right along six cornerbacks for the Packers and this admittedly a very tough position to predict but I think total the Packers are going to end up keeping uh, 11 defensive backs so we'll see Uh, Kevin King, Tremont Williams, and Jair Alexander your top three for me right now 
First three off the bench are, bench are Josh Jackson, Lindsey Pipkins, and Josh Hawkins. I've got Devon House on the outs. I've got Quentin Rollins out. I've got Dimitri Goodson out, and I've got Herb Waters out. I think this is finally the time for Quentin Rollins to say goodbye. I know the safety experiment is something that's Mm, um, happening. Let's put it that way. It is happening. I'm not, I wouldn't be particularly optimistic about that, though I think uh, they're putting the PR machine in full spin right now for Quentin Rollins, trying to give him all the help he can possibly get, whether it's public opinion or, or anything else. I just don't see a situation where the Packers need to keep, keep Quentin Rollins. I just don't see it happening. What, what reason did the Packers have to keep him? that they haven't seen already. They've seen him in coverage on the outside. They've seen him in coverage on the inside. It hasn't been pretty either way. Now they're trying him at safety. Uh, they've got plenty of safeties that are at least as good as Quentin Rollins. Why? Okay, moving right along. Let's talk about safeties. Haha, Clinton Dix and Kentrell Bryce are your starters right now. It's good to see Bryce coming back from injury, I think, faster than we expected. Even with him back, I would like to see them sign somebody. Uh, there's no reason that you would have to go into the season with Kentrell Bryce as your starting safety alongside HaHa Clinton Dix. Why not make, make your roster as good as it possibly can be? It, it never hurts to sign guys that you think could be an upgrade. I don't know why you wouldn't think that a guy like Eric Reed would be an upgrade. I, I don't have anything else to say on that. I've gone on and on about Eric Reed in the past. Uh, behind Bryce and Clinton Dix, Josh Jones, Jermaine Whitehead, and Marwin Evans. I think there are a couple promising young safeties. Raven Green uh, comes to mind among that group, but I don't think there's any reason to put him ahead of those other guys right now. Marwin Evans is probably the most underrated of the underrated players of, on the Packers roster, if only for his special teams contributions. Um, it's probably a little bit of a hyperbole on my part, calling him the most underrated of the underrated players. But he was right up there with uh, Jeff Janis every year uh, in terms of special teams tackles. He's he's a good player, does a lot on kickoff coverage. He, those are good guys to have around, and they're, they're worth having around. Uh, Jermaine Whitehead is the same way. He plays special teams. He plays safety. He plays a little bit of slot corner. He's like the extremely poor man's version of Morgan Burnett. So... Um, there's your safety group, five safety for the Packers. That brings us to 50 names so far, and then it's just specialists from there. Mason Crosby, J.K. Scott, and I've got Hunter Bradley, the draft pick, making it as their long snapper, even though it could go either way with the other guy they have in camp. I don't really care about long snapper as long as they're not screwing up, and I think trying to make predictions is pretty much a fool's errand, so we will just leave it at that. There's my 53-man roster. What do you think? Agree, disagree? Am I totally off base? Let me know. Uh, reach out at uh, oh, the various places that we have you reach out. Um, we have a couple other things to talk about. I wanted to get to a couple of your thoughts on the roster. I asked for your strangest, craziest roster takes, and we've got to talk a little bit about Jake Kumaro. I've saved this until now because a couple people brought this up um, in their predictions that I asked them to make. First and foremost, I've got to come up with a name for you. Oh, sorry, different person on Twitter than I thought this was. Anthony predicts that uh, Jake Kumaro will beat out one of the Packers drafted wide receivers. And I want to make sure I get the name right. David Booker Brooker on Facebook believes as well that Jake Kumaro will make the 53 and a draft pick at wide receiver will end up on the practice squad. Yet a follow-up from Chris Carnell, another pod... Or a, commenter, not podcaster. I'm the only podcaster here. Um, 
he said that was interesting, but do you think any of those draft picks would clear waivers? And I think that's where you start to have the fly in the ointment for the whole Kumaro situation. So, Jake Kumaro is 26 years old, I believe. Mid-20s already. And it's getting he's getting right down there on practice squad eligibility. So the time is now for Jake Kumaro. And if he's going to make a roster out of camp, this would pretty much be his last opportunity to do so. That's not a reason for the Packers to put him on their roster, simply a reality for Kumaro. So something to be aware of there that does enter into their calculus. The clearing waivers thing is a real concern because obviously to keep Kumaro, you have to give his roster spot to somebody else. And just given the difference in physical makeup between all three of the Packers drafted receivers and Kumaro, that gets to be a tough question because of the four receivers, Kumaro is easily the least impressive athlete. And he's still an NFL caliber athlete. Didn't jump particularly well, but he ran pretty well for a big guy, mid four fives. And he is, you know, six four, six five. That's that's pretty good size. You you like having big receivers, and Brian Gutekunz definitely is showing that he has a thing for bigger receivers. I would probably still classify myself as a Kumaro skeptic. It seems like we have a story like this about every year. Last year it was Max McCaffrey, although he wasn't getting as much attention with the first round or uh, first team, excuse me. Uh, the year before that it was Jared Aberderis, although like uh, McCaffrey, he wasn't really getting much play with the first team group. So I don't know if this is a one-to-one comparison, but you do see one of these guys come out of the woodwork. So do the Packers like potential or do they like what you can get from a guy right now? That's the question for them. I still think when you start getting to the bottom of the the roster, you got to have guys that are athletes who can contribute on special teams. And those are spots where you give a little bit more credence to upside than immediate contributions. There's no doubt that Pretty much all three of the Packers wide receivers probably have higher ceilings than Kumaro. I think just from an athletic standpoint, that's pretty obvious. The question is whether they can ever become the player that he is right now because Kumaro seems to be on the same page with Aaron Rodgers right now. So I think that's an interesting situation, probably the most interesting situation to watch in training camp right now. The best roster battle going, and it will just get more interesting Uh, as we head into regular season games. While I've got you here, I want to take a trip to Sirius Town here just for a second. Um, There's no real easy way to transition into this topic, and if you're around Packers Internet, you've probably seen a little bit of this going on. Uh, There is a Packers blogger, Packers community member named Jamie Snowden, and and her husband have gone through an unimaginably terrible situation over the past week or so. Uh, July 31st, their nine-month-old daughter uh, passed away unexpectedly. And I won't belabor you with the details, but it is it is a terrible situation. Um, and I think it's been really, really interesting and really exciting and inspiring to see how just the Packers community has rallied around this family and done whatever they can to try to bring just a little bit of light to a, an incredibly dark situation. And I bring it to your attention very carefully because 
talking about these things can seem gauche, uh, can seem self-aggrandizing, and I don't want to do any of that. Um, all I want to do is point out that if you look at our Twitter page and if you look in the um, description of this episode, you will find a link to a GoFundMe page for this family. They're raising money for funeral expenses and related things to that. It is, it's incredibly expensive to have a funeral for someone. And the emotional expense of burying your nine-month-old child is just beyond what I can really get my head around in an adequate adequate way. So I wanted to give you, the people who listen to this podcast, who support our show, the opportunity to contribute to this uh, and just be involved and reach out with any, you know, thoughts, prayers, things like that that you may have for this family. I would appreciate that because I think it's a, it's a neighborly and good thing to do. Um, it's something that I would certainly appreciate if this was my situation, and I hope that you can see uh, why that would be. Uh, just it is, This is such a world that is, is filled with too many terrible things, and seeing this has just really stuck with me for some reason over the last week or so. So anything you could do to contribute, uh, we will give you that opportunity and uh, just reach out to this family if you can, however you can, um, and offer your support. That's all I've got for you this week. I do appreciate you listening, and I I didn't want to end on on a down note like that and just have it be a bummer and a downer because the way that the the community has supported this family has been incredible, and you should all be commended for that. And we as as listeners and, and producers of Blue 58 should be involved with that too. So thank you for indulging me with that. You can find us, as you always do, on Facebook and on Twitter and via email at thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us the best way and freest way, you may do that is by leaving a review on iTunes. It does help people find the show and is absolutely free. And it uh, helps us, you know, show people what they like about our show as well. If you'd like to offer financial support, there's a couple ways you can do that. Support us on patreon.com slash thepowersweep. One dollar a month helps us keep this podcast running. You may also wear your support for The Power Sweep and Blue 58 by purchasing a a shirt from Teespring. Click the store link at thepowersweep.com. We do always love to hear from you. Any feedback you give us helps us make this entire operation better and helps all of us become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I am John Meerdink. We will see you next week on Blue 58.